0: and prepare to be inspired and awakened to the amazing treasures that you already possess. This is truth that you can handle. Welcome back, everyone, to another edition of Grace to All with Paul Gray. And I know that many of you heard last week's interview with my friend Lydia DuToit, and I know you've been Eagerly awaiting this one as as I have too, I won't go into your introduction anymore. I'll just say hello, Lydia. Welcome back.
1: Thank you thank you so much, Paul. It really is great. It's wonderful to be able to share words, and um, mm. they don't just remain words; they become life. Isn't that wonderful oh, to be participating? Yes in life. It is most, most wonderful, especially in this very strange time we are living in where people are.
0: It is. And, you know, I go back to my roots, Lydia, and I was when we were just visiting offline. I I, uh, grew up down in what we call the Ozarks in Missouri, in the middle of the United States, of hillbillies, you know. And I spent a lot of time on my grandparents' farm. They didn't have electricity or running water until I was in uh, – we got electricity when I was in grade school and running water when I was in high school. And my grandmother had chickens, like a lot of chickens, and uh, they lived off the land. They farmed and hunted and trapped and fished, but they always had the chickens, and I would go with her to gather eggs, and, uh, and then we'd clean them off, and then we would take them into town once a week and sell the eggs and vegetables and fruit and produce and things. Then we'd have the money to go to the store to get you know, clothes or, or whatever else we needed, and I spent uh, so much time with her, a long ways away from. Uh, it was a dirt road; it wasn't even a gravel road. But uh, just the uh, serenity there, the peacefulness, the uh, we called it going out home. It was it was uh, it was at home. And what you mentioned offline with you know the a chicken, a mother hen sitting on an egg, just. Contented and being there, and knowing that I would assume, in some way, knowing that she's bringing about life uh, to come into this world. And that seems to be a little picture of what it's like with you and Francois and in your home up in the mountains. Tell us a little bit about that and how how God speaks to you there and how that's uh, affected translations and writing and things like that. It's
1: quite a, a miracle how we got here. But it's a too long story. It's just a wonderful, wonderful, for 15 years traveling into Africa and then I don't know how many years into America, Francois realized that he would never finish the translation had we continued the way we did. And it was like the Lord said, I'll make a way for you. I'll make a way, just create space. And we were driving from a wedding in the middle of the country and driving past Oatsworth and Francois said to me, do you remember there was a beautiful little spot that we wanted to visit once about 13 years ago? I think it's in the mountains and he was pointing there, but we will have to go back and turn around and then get to this road or whatever. And he said, wait, here's a gravel road right in front of us. Here's a gravel road and he just took it and that road, brought us straight to this farm. <laughs> really? And yes, it was just so amazing. And when we got here, we just knew it's, I want to say that sometimes people say to me, I don't know what to do, what what I don't want to miss God, what direction to take. I say, what is your heart's desire? That's a safe place to go to. And really, if I think of what happened here, that we landed up here, it was, I mean, we love animals. We lived and worked with animals. Franco walked for years in the bush. We did a safari business with elephants and lion and everything, raised the kids up. And I remember once we were walking with the kids because we didn't have electricity to the camp next door because there was a washing machine and I had the washing on my head and I'm going to quickly do the washing because we're getting guests. And we walked into a big herd of elephant and the guide got such a fright. He ran away. (laughs) So I was here with the kids and I thought, oh Lord, and we sort of reversed into the mountain and found our way back to the other house where I could do the washing anyway. Sorry. So... We were raised, the kids were raised with animals and nature. I was raised in nature, and it's been our heart's desire. And so the Lord said, you know what, I'm going to bring you somewhere very special and it's in the heart of nature so that that beautifulness that we so enjoy and, and we can revel in it. Because as I said to you, Paul, Francois' translation, sometimes it's not easy. It's not because he doesn't want to. But he doesn't have manuscripts and books to refer to. He has to go with this sameness in his heart where he says, oh, The gospel must be hiding in that scripture. So he wouldn't stop until, and sometimes those things would take days, days of saying, Lord, where is this? Where is this? And we would be able to walk or he can sit here. There's no interruptions. We go to town once a month and he can just be here. And then he would, I'd walk past his office and he's just sitting in tears. He said, yes, yes and the truth would come. It's so very beautiful. I'm not saying that that is the recipe because most of the years that we've done translation work, we would be in trains in Africa on the back of pickups, wherever he's done it. But I thank God for this place and the miracle of being here. It is really very wonderful. I'm not saying this is a recipe. It just happens to be where the Lord has brought us. And We miss our American friends. We miss visiting you guys in Kansas and all over. But for now, this is where we have to be. We really have to be here. Paul, I think I got lost again a little bit. Hey. No, no, no. (laughs) I
0: I know. I'm so interested in hearing that and so touched by it. And I'm sure everybody else is and hearing that. And, you know, when people around the world, read your books, King Solitaire's Banquet and your other books and The Mirror and and now with Luke and, and all the different books and things. Most of us don't know about you or where you are or what you're doing or how that comes about. And I'm so grateful for this opportunity to people to see you, to hear your heart and to just, just get a picture of this idyllic place where the Lord has put you two together, where you have the time. When I work on a Bible study or I don't call them sermons anymore, but uh, discussions or whatever, you know, I look at different translations and I I do a lot, of, of course, base a lot of it on the mirror, but I have these different resources that I go to and, you know, and I want to say, okay, well, you know, what's Francois have to say about this or somebody else or whatever, but I don't know why. I'm I'm just kind of naive, but I, I never pictured him sitting there or you working this all out in your mind and letting the Holy Spirit reveal to you what it is as opposed to, going and getting a bunch of different resources and thinking, oh, well, maybe I'll take a little of this and a little of that. But, uh, gosh, I just didn't realize how that happened. And it's so wonderful to know.
1: Thank you. It really, really is totally amazing. And it's so amazing how the Lord put us together in our person as well. Francois is so, so meticulous and so hard headed in a way, you know what I'm saying? When he <laughs> he just doesn't give up, he he doesn't he doesn't leave a stone unturned and he would dig and dig and dig and sometimes go off and here and then and there and then come back and then there it is. It's been there all along. I wanted to recap a little bit when we just got married because you asked because people don't really know about us. So I'm just going to tell a little bit more about us, not because I'm showing off, but I want to tell you that it's beautiful. We moved into a house that was standing empty for more than 20 years on a farm near the Kruger National Park. And the guy said, we can revamp the house. So Francois jumped in. He's an amazing architect and hard worker. So we built up this house in this remote area again. And Francois had a a scrambler motorbike and a guitar. And he went every day on his bike to all the schools in the area doing SEM. Every single day off on his motorbike, we didn't have people that sponsored us. We didn't have a program. It was just this going with your guts, going with, "Ah, I have something so beautiful and I cannot wait but to share it with you. And weekends we had on the same farm, there were big tobacco barns and we turned them into dormitory where we Francois would go with the neighbor's truck a big truck to the schools and fetch the kids where he'd been through the week and we'd have weekend camps and I would cook for them and we would just have the most amazing fun that is essentially for me how it started is just this your guts, your heart feeling, I have something so beautiful. And and I, I want you to share what uh, it's, it's a feast. This is a feast. A feast isn't made for somebody by themselves. You always want to invite more people. A banquet. So many,
0: exactly, <laughs> a banquet.
1: So for many years, we did that. And then we started training young people for, in about five years we trained more than 700 young people that went with us on these trips and into Africa in all over. And every day Franco would teach them. He'd say, I've got, I would say, sweetie, but shouldn't you just teach them maybe once uh, a week or twice a week? No, no, no. He'd say, I will teach them every day. So for every day you would sit and it's so amazing if I'm looking back now with you in how the Lord took us by the hand, and he said, come, this is your school, this is your school. And all these years, I mean, the book God Believes in You is a a four sermons that Franscha preached more than 35 years ago. It's exactly the same truth, exactly. Looking back, how God had preserved him, We've had offers to get involved with big ministries and things. You cannot, uh, the detail is, I'm not going to share that now, but where the Lord just said, no, 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 I just want you, I just want you You in in a school with me and I'm going to take you by the hand. And that is really where we are now. Wow. I remember having a dream. I want to share it, not because of anything, but because I know it will happen. And is happening, not because of the Mirror Bible, but because of this message, Francois. This is when we were still living in that very, very remote area, ministering to mostly African people in remotest areas. We would go and live with them in their huts and be with them in their schools. One night he woke up and he said, I had a dream. I said, what is it? He said, I was preaching. And he said, I couldn't see the end of all the people I was talking to. He said, it was just people and people and people. And I'm not sharing this because of Francois at all. It's this beautiful gospel. It's going to find feet. It's going to find resonance. It's going to find an echo That is the most beautiful thing about the gospel. The gospel is not a one-sided affair. The gospel is about finding resonance. It's about the voice of truth finding an echo inside of us. And that is all we have to stick to. You have to just stick to truth. Just stick to that. Even if you page through the book and it doesn't resonate, it doesn't stick. No, no, page on, because it's there. It's there, the truth about. The word that became flesh, and it was face to face with God from the beginning. (laughs) In the beginning was the word, and that in the beginning is in the head. We began there. We began in the in the mind of God. That is where we originate from. We didn't begin in our mother's wombs. We didn't begin in a tent or in a caravan or in a castle. We originate from the mind of God, and our birth is that face to faceness with God, where He looks and He says, "It is very good." Very good. Oh, Isn't that the most beautiful?
0: oh, it is. You know, I think of that literally every morning. I picture I call him Papa and Jesus and Holy Spirit sometimes use Paul Young's word Sarayu the, that he uses in the shack, but I, I picture them before creation, before the foundation of the world. Of course that was Before time, above time, time didn't exist. But for our purposes, I I picture them just being at home, as we talked about, and saying, okay, today we're going to create. Lydia Dutoit in our mind, and here's what she's going to look like, and here's what her desires are, and here's what her talents and abilities are. And and I just picture them taking that time with me and then with everyone, taking that time as long as they want, as much time as they want, and just focusing their intention on creating us in their image and their likeness and exactly what we will be like, and us knowing them in the spirit uh, before we ever come to earth. And I just sort of let that wash over me for a while before I come out of my uh, study and, and go out and do my different things, just, just thinking. I've always been at home with them. They've always been at home with me. They knew me. Uh, people might try to say, well, you've got to be more like this or less like that or whatever. And this is who they made me to be. I'm, I'm going to relax and rejoice and be glad in it. And it's just so wonderful.
1: It's wonderful. It's so important for us even in raising our kids to be conscious of that, that this little being that I have in my care now is not the product of my smartness or my education or whatever. This is a gift that began in God, and if I can understand that, I would want to create space for the very life of God that is invested in this being to be manifest. It does not need to be orchestrated. You know, I I remember the one day the Lord showed me a pretty little picture of a a little vegetable garden and the rose, you know, the built-up rose, and at the end of the row was the stick with this little packet for the seed, you know, carrots or whatever. He said... That packet, is it for the seed or the farmer? <laughs> Obviously, it's not for the seed because oh, yeah. the seed knows. It needs no instructions. That is mm-hmm. the most wonderful thing about raising our kids. It's more a reminder of our beauty, our integrity. Not, I don't want to remind you of how I think our whatever you are, but I I will remind you of your perfection, your integrity, how you look like God, you remind God of himself, and when things happen that, that are contrary to that, to move on, let's not stick there, let's move on, because the truth is what will set us free. Not laws. It's not the "I am not" system. Remember the two trees. <laughs> it's the "I am" or the "I am not." It's and we've been so occupied with the "I am not," and we thought, "I must chisel you. I'm. You need instructions. I need to bring you in." No, you need to embrace completely. Completely. It's the most liberating thing to be able to love unconditionally, to love our kids unconditionally. And they need to know that. They need to be held. They need to be touched. They need to be caressed because they are beautiful, because of who they are, not because of anything they've done. I remember I was writing my final year for. My school education, and I went to my dad. I said, "Papa, I'm writing my final exam." He said, "What year? What school?" He didn't even know that. Um, because that wasn't important. It wasn't important. I just knew that he loved me. We would do things and. All I knew was he loved me. We would undo a car's engine. I loved working in cars and and getting my hand. We were one of, I'm one of six girls. So we didn't have any brothers. So it was like, but he didn't think, oh, so you are in matric now and your grades are this and that and the other. He looked at me and he said, enjoy it, (laughs) enjoy it, enjoy it. And it's so beautiful. To trust love unconditionally. I really think that what this world needs is unconditional love. And we cannot love unconditionally if we are not conscious of our source we are not conscious of the very fact that Jesus came to reveal to us what the invisible God looks like. And he came and he took us by the hand. He said, come, I'm going to walk with you into your darkness, into these things that you fabricated and thought would separate me from you, your help I will go into that with you, and those places and those things that we thought, even death itself, that we thought surely that will separate us. No, <laughs> it will not separate you. So when we come from a place of complete union, then suddenly we, the threats of the things that we've wanted to perform or have performed too, even in our relationships with husband and wife or whatever, suddenly. There's no performance. There's just, I'm going to just be me and allow you to be you. And in that space, there's a discovery that is unconditional, but it's it's, it's without measure. It becomes more and more beautiful every day. I haven't even gotten, are we over in our time? I don't want to go over your time, Paul, am I fine?
0: Everything you've said is so beautiful, Lydia. And I, I. one of the things that I think often, and I say a lot in, in my teaching and writing is that it wasn't so until I started on this journey, I'll call it, uh, about 10 years ago, it wasn't so before that, even though I'd been a pastor for 20 years. But now in this last period of time, every day I see that God is better than I thought the day before. It's not that God is any better. But he's revealing to me something every day that's more beautiful, that's more wonderful, that's more fascinating than I even thought before. And, and you know, I sometimes I just think, well, there can't be any more. I mean, it can't get any. <laughs> and then, oh, man, yes, look at, look at this or think about this. Every day is a wonderful adventure.
1: It really is. I'm I'm reminded all the years of baking and cooking and whatever. We did it in fires and even in the lodge, I cooked outside and I would bake bread on a fire or cake on a fire, whatever. So I'm telling you, I can bake a mean bread. (laughs) Anyway, I was baking a bread the other day and I'm not showing off, but I'm just saying something that's very important. I don't have a recipe. You just throw in because you know and um got this dish now with all the water water, everything inside and the yeast and this and that and the other and I walked over to this the zinc you call it a zinc and I opened the tap and I just held the dish underneath the tap and I looked and looked and looked I thought oh that's enough and I pulled it back and it was perfect it was perfect and I so enjoyed the moment because it's so unconventional and I want you to know that God is unconventionally at home. He's a master baker. He doesn't need our recipes. He doesn't need our prescriptions. He doesn't need our, oh, it has to look like this or it has to sound like this or it must look because we've become so professional. And then he pops up on the scene and he's so unprofessional, but it touches to the core of our being because it's what he's all about. God is about touching our being God is about having resonance it's a it's a love affair and we must allow him and say God you just come and scramble me up inside and bake me and me that's what you do you knee in the yeast and you knee and you know when it's ready when it comes off your hands and then I put it in the pot and I put it outside in the sun and then you don't touch We always think we have to, is this working, God? Is this good enough, God? He says, leave it, leave it in the sun. The sun will do its job and it will rise to perfection because it's made for that. It's so beautiful. I remember many years ago, I was so touched by the thought that God entered into his rest, he entered into his rest. He said, now a, I've got nothing more to do. When? Because of your perfection. Our perfection is the platform of God's rest. He said, behold, it is very good. Yeah. <laughs> what God made in the incarnate one, in us becoming Christ, is perfect. And you know what? God says, he will find the echo of this perfection for all eternities in his rest. He's so convinced about it. This resonance is irresistible. People can be clustered over with layers of religion and preconceived ideas. But the voice of God, the sweet Holy Spirit that communicates to our spirit, finds a voice that breaks through these Christ's. And it finds this echo inside of us It just gives up and say, have it your way. Have it your way, Lord. It's irresistible. I challenge all our viewers, allow God to love you. Allow him to love you. Sit back. And in that, you would find the ability to oh, I can love myself. If God can love me this much, I dare to agree with God. I dare to agree with God.
0: You know, one of your sons I know is a musician, and I am too, and I'm just thinking with what you said, what a a finale to the great symphony that we've enjoyed in our time together today. I don't have words to describe how I'm feeling or or what I know that our, our listeners and viewers will hear. I'm oh I'm just so touched and I'm so grateful. And sometimes I in the morning I'll get a specific word, a word from the Lord, and, and I'll write it down on my hand and think about it during the, and so two or three hours ago, it's it's morning where I am, it's evening where you are, but two or three hours ago when I was first up, I just heard the Lord saying, Grace gift grace gift. And of course, grace is a gift, but I wrote that down and and I knew that throughout the day, he would give me examples of that and show me. And our time together is the most wonderful grace gift I can imagine. So thank you, Papa. And thank you, Lydia.
1: Thank you. Thank you that I could just be myself and talk all upside down or whatever, but it doesn't matter because it's wonderful to meet you and to see you again and to be with you in your beautiful studio. It really is an honor.
0: Thank you. Well, it's mutual. And uh, in a good way, I'm envious and jealous. I'd love to come to Africa and be up on the mountain with you and Francois and see the beauty and just hang out for a while. So maybe someday that will happen. But thank you for this time so much.
1: Thank you. Thank you so much, Paul. Thank you.
0: Before we close, tell people how they can contact you or they can get a copy of King Solitaire's Big Banquet
1: info at mirror word the mirror word bible it's info at word dot net that's how you will get a hold of us and I've got a few other little books too but it would be lovely to chat to you and
0: well, thank you. I got these for my grandkids. I read it to them with their parents on Christmas day here a few weeks ago and it, it was just a special time and they each have their own copy now and thank, thank you for writing you.
1: it. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you so
0: much. And thanks everybody for being with us on another edition of Grace to All with Paul Gray. Thank you for listening to Grace to All. For more about us, how we can serve you, and our special guest, please visit www.gracewithpaulgray.com. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast so that you never miss an episode and to join our Facebook group, Grace to All where you'll be inspired and awakened to more truth that you can handle.